Welcome back to Unsolved Self. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Maddie, and we are yet again on a new program to record to try and fix our audio and all that jazz and the way we record, but hopefully this will fix it. I had tech support in yeah, here this for a good like 30 minutes to an hour. Six. 52 years <laughs> yeah so hopefully it's gonna be better than last time um but yeah yeah i had to hear, hear how your audio didn't work for half of an episode yeah and i was like yes yeah, she said that but she explained it in the next episode so <laughs> yeah all right so um did you have a good week Oh, it, it's been stressful, but you know, it's it's going. Yeah, yeah. And I have well, that's a, good. hope everybody else had a good week. Yeah, I have a five k that I'm doing this weekend, but uh, it's supposed to be really cold and rainy, so that'll be fun. We. Yeah, this weather's been ridiculous lately. I know. Um, like, what's it's supposed going to go freezing again tonight. I'm so done with this. I don't know. I'm done with it. Anyway, okay. So, um, my story's kind of long today because I got uh, actually several stories. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's stories. So, let me tell you what happened. All right. A few weeks ago, I was doing research on one of the other stories, and um, I got curious, and I saw that there are almost 400 people missing in the state of Georgia right now. Wow. And so, I was like, I know, right? But in Georgia, isn't even like the highest. Man, you ought to see Texas. Anyway. So I was like, I wonder how many of them are close to us. So I started looking at the um, the counties in the CSRA. Yeah. So for anybody that doesn't know, near us, we have a group of counties and they call it the CSRA and that's the Central Savannah River area. And it consists of 13 counties in Georgia and then five in South Carolina and it's just the ones that kind of surround the um, Savannah River it's literally what it is (laughs) and in all of those counties that's 18 counties right Mm -hmm. there are 38 missing people from those 18 counties so and and that's not not terrible comparatively i mean you know anybody missing is terrible but um numbers wise it could be a lot worse right right so i'm like let me look at this breakdown and see where they're all missing at and i was pretty shocked about who was missing from where but two counties in the csra have a major major issue I said there are 38 total people missing from all 18 counties, right? Right. 26 of those people are missing from either Richmond County in Georgia or Aiken County in South Carolina. What? That is wild. 26 out of 38 people are missing from those two counties. Right. So I'm like, what is happening here? (laughs) So 
Aiken and Richmond counties are just separated by the Savannah River. They border each other, but they're separated by the river. And if you're not familiar, the Savannah River is not um, like a huge, huge river. I mean, it's big, but it's it's not that wide. So it's a quick little bridge separating it and that's it they're right there right Mm -hmm. so i thought what if we went through the cases of the people that are missing in richmond and aiken counties and see if we can figure out what's going on there geez in one episode 26 cases no it's gonna take more than one episode (laughs) It um probably it looks like it's gonna take more than two episodes. Yeah. So um, because I'm already working on the second episode and I'm not even out of the um, the 80s good, <laughs> like Ooh. barely into the 90s I think. So um yeah, it's probably gonna be a couple episodes, but um so we're just gonna do um. Like a mini series. So, okay, so I thought, yeah, like a mini series. I thought chronological order would work best for most of them, so I'm going to try to stick to that. But um, it doesn't work for the second episode just because I feel like some of those are connected. So the ones that are connected may go out of order, but I'll let you know that. Okay. And if anybody has something like this going on in their area, let us know so we can look into it. Because this was super interesting to try to figure out what exactly is happening that would cause everybody to be missing in these two counties. It's kind of crazy. So we're going to start with Mary Kay Radford. And Mary Kay was 24 years old. She's a white female between... And this is a huge stretch. I'm not sure what was going on here, but between five foot and five five. Wow, that but is between a huge 95 stretch. and 105 pounds. Yeah, I was like, that's. But I don't know. I guess people don't really pay no attention. Okay, so Mary Kay has blonde hair, but she's known to wear wigs. Mm-hmm. And her maiden name is Medlin. Okay. But she also may use the last name Tudor. All right. And she often went by her middle name, which was Kay. She had a scar on the back of her right arm and a scar on her right shoulder blade from mole removal. And this is what happened. On March 28th, 1974, Mary Kay was living in Augusta in Richmond County. Mm-hmm. in Georgia, with her current boyfriend and her young daughter. Her husband, the father of her daughter, had been killed in a car accident in October of 73. So just mm, five-ish months before. Yeah. If my, my off the head math is right. So it had not been that long since I her just husband agreed. had died. <laughs> I agreed. I didn't even math it. <laughs> 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 well, it's October, November, December, January, February, March. Six months. Yep, Five or six months. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> okay, so her boyfriend drops her off at their apartment and then he leaves. I'm assuming he's going back to work or something, but I mean, we don't know because um, 
there's not that much information about this case. What we do know is when he returned home, she was gone. And that is the extent of the information that we know about her. There are a couple of pictures of her, but they're from 1968. So, you know, they're a little old. Yeah. Now, the GBI is handling this case in not Richmond County, and I don't know why that is. But, I mean, I don't know if we even have a lot of information to throw out theories on this one. Do you no. have a theory? No, there's like literally no information on this. So, I mean, it's possible that she was, like, depressed that her husband had died. Maybe she got into this other relationship, um, just like on a rebound. But mm -hmm. I don't see her running off without her daughter. Yeah, it feels like a stretch. So, yeah. And I don't think the boyfriend was ever a suspect it, nobody you know was like oh yeah he is a suspect you know but there's not a lot of people talking about it so that's um that's pretty much the extent of that one oh wow i threw it in because i told y'all before i feel like everybody deserves to get talked about even if there's you know not a whole lot to say just somebody to remember and all yeah so, so that's what i did all right, so we're going to move on. Okay. When Donna Arrington signed I Love You to her sweet four-year-old son, Jeremy, at his, as his school bus pulled away, and she signed it in American Sign Language, she had no idea that that would be the last communication with him that she would ever have. Oh. She had worked late because she worked night shift and so she was going to be gone by the time he got home from school her husband nick would be the one to get jeremy off the bus that afternoon and he would take care of him and their daughter until donna got home she wouldn't get home until about 1 a.m mm -hmm. let's talk about jeremy james grice grice i said it weird but it's grice okay he's a white male He's three foot eight or four foot. He weighs about 40 pounds. He's blonde hair, hazel eyes. He is living at this time in a rural trailer park in Bath, South Carolina. And it's before Bath was incorporated. There's almost nothing in the area at this time. On the night of November 21st, 1985, Nick fed the kids dinner. He gave them a snack of animal crackers, which Jeremy did not finish because he was full from dinner. And Nick left them on the table and he said, well, you can eat them for breakfast the next morning. Mm -hmm. He tucks the kids into bed. Nick says it was a completely normal night. There was nothing out of the ordinary going on. At about 7 a.m., Donna wakes up to make coffee for Nick before he leaves for work. Remember, she got home about one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Hurricane Kate was dwindling out and it was dumping a lot of cold rain on the area and they were having a school holiday. So Donna just peeked in on the kids and then she went back to bed. Only she didn't actually see Jeremy. She saw his blankets and he had a habit of burrowing, burrowing up under the blankies. So they were just kind of piled up. And yeah. so she thought 
he was there, but she didn't actually lay eyes on him. Gotcha. This is at 7 a.m. At about 10 a.m., she hears the baby crying, and so she gets up. She sees that the front door is open. It's wide open. So she goes, she gets the baby. She goes to check on Jeremy, and his room is empty. He's gone, and the dog is gone. The dog is a very protective German shepherd, and it went everywhere with Jeremy. Yeah. She looks all around the house. She, you know, searches in the closets, all of that, and Casey's hiding, seeking like kids do. Mm -hmm. She finds his shoes and his favorite jacket. And this jacket was a jacket that his father had bought for him at the racetrack. And he wore it constantly, even when it wasn't cold out. He would wear this jacket. So the fact that he didn't have his jacket and his shoes made Donna extremely concerned. Yeah. She grabs her daughter and she runs across the trailer park to her father-in-law's house because he lives in the same area just a little ways away. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he had not seen Jeremy all day long. So... She goes and she starts knocking on neighbors' doors. She's like, you know, have you seen him? Everybody is saying, no, no, we haven't seen him. Which nobody's out because, like I said, it's cold rain, it's November, and it's raining. Nobody's just out walking around or anything, right? Yeah, no reason to be outside. She goes back home. Exactly. So she goes back home and she calls Jeremy's father, Ray, And she calls her husband, Nick, and she tells them both that Jeremy's missing. And they both leave work and they come to help her search. Neighbors start, you know, whispering, they're hearing this kid's missing, so they want to help. You know, it's a trailer park. People know each other. They come out and they start searching. And... They could not find a sign of Jeremy. They could not find a sign of his dog. He's gone. So they call Aiken County Sheriff's Department. Yeah. And they, this is about 1.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. The Sheriff's Department comes out and they search every inch of land and woods in the four miles surrounding the the trailer park. They bring out dogs, but the dogs can't catch a scent. And the police blame that on the fact that the neighbors had been out searching, which I'm sure is partially true, but the weather was really bad. The chances that the neighbors walked everywhere. Yeah, is very is unlikely. pretty slim. Right. I don't know. That's what they blamed it on. You know, I don't think the neighbors were wrong in trying to help, though. So... The dogs were no help, and the police search didn't turn anything up, and the police were, they thought he was lost. They thought he wandered off into the woods and was just lost, but that afternoon, the German shepherd showed back up at the house, oh, and no. all the hope that that Jeremy was lost, it began to dim- diminish. Nobody thought the dog would have just left Jeremy. And so the police started to wonder if Jeremy had been taken by somebody. 
Yeah. That evening, a neighbor, Geneva Van Buren, told the police that when she had left for work at 8.45 that morning, she had passed a little boy and his dog standing next to the mailbox. She said that he was wearing dark pants and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. She slowed down just out of fear that one of them would come into the road, but she just assumed he was waiting on the school bus. She didn't know he didn't have school that day. Yeah. She didn't know he was missing until she come back home that evening from work and saw all the neighbors and the police all out. And she was like, what is going on? And when they said, you know, this little boy's missing, she's like, oh my gosh, I think I saw him. So she goes straight to the police and tells them though. Mm-hmm. Over the next few weeks, the FBI gets involved and hundreds of people are questioned. They're giving polygraphs out left and right. They're doing searches everywhere. They're draining ponds. They do not find a trace of Jeremy. My goodness. I know, it's tragic. I mean, cannot even imagine. His mother wanted to believe that he was taken by somebody who just wanted a child and that they're out there taking really good care of him because they just wanted a child of their own. His father believed that he was taken and probably killed by somebody in the neighborhood. Oh my goodness. The area they were in was, was unincorporated and it is at the border of Georgia. Mm -hmm. It's super out of the way. It's five miles to the nearest major highway. There's one road in one road out. So it's not like somebody's just randomly driving by on the way to the grocery store and sees him out there. Yeah. So, you know, the dad's theory, sad as it is, it it does make some sense. Mm -hmm. The stepdad, Nick, he seemed to ride the fence, though. He said he had had the stranger danger talk with Jeremy shortly before he disappeared. And Jeremy had asked if a woman could be a stranger, too. Yes. And he said, yes. Yes. And just so you know, all the family members were heavily questioned, heavily investigated, and all of them were cleared. He didn't ask him for any more details about that. That seems kind of strange. And, you know, little kids ask questions. Yeah. When you're trying to have a conversation with them. And so I can see on the surface where you might think that, but um, Avery Kate had talked to me the other day and she asked me the same thing 57 different ways. And by the time she was done, by the time she, well, she wasn't ever done, <laughs> she's probably still asking <laughs> questions. I was done. And I'm like, yep, yep. She's like, do you love me? Why do you love me? I'm like, at this point, I do not know. (laughs) You're cute, (laughs) but you're kind of a pain in the ass. (laughs) So I just don't even know why at this point. I do, but I don't know why. I mean, so it's possible that there were just like a million and a half questions. And, you know, he was like, yes, anybody can be a stranger. It's not like he knew the baby was going to go missing. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. In 1995, Langley Pond was searched. And mm. that was based on a tip from a psychic. 
and the tip said that that that's where Jeremy would be found and he would be found with a boat and a wheel now interestingly enough they did find the wheel to a tricycle and the rotted hull of a boat very close together but they did not hmm. find Jeremy Langley Pond is where I take uh, Sawyer Local to the park yep so I mean and I mean it's close that's what I'm saying mm -hmm. <laughs> So now you know you need to watch your back. I know. I went through Bath. One of these uh, sketchy uh, counties. I went through Bath uh, today, actually. There you go. The next time you go by there, you'll be uh, looking out, wondering what happened to this baby. Yeah. Local child killer William Ernest Downs was questioned in Jeremy's case, and also in the case of Tiffany Nelson, who disappeared in 1994. And we'll talk about her for sure later. And I'm sure you'll hear William Ernest Downs' name again. I'm also going to throw Tiffany's case on this list, even though she isn't technically missing. But I think she deserves to be talked about, and it is still a mystery. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or theories about um, Jeremy? It's just so tragic. Like, can you imagine? Your it kid really just, is. You wake up and your kid's just gone. <laughs> That's, I don't even want to think about that. No. And I know that um, because there was a, a kind of similar case, I cannot remember the people's name right now but I think Shannon Doherty starred in the movie but the woman woke up and I think her husband was gone to work and she wakes up and her baby is missing but the front door was open and mm -hmm. people I remember going off about you know you saw your front door open and your first thing wasn't to go check your kids but a lot of these places aren't places where people lock their doors constantly yeah. you know what i'm saying your door being open just isn't like that major of a deal we were sitting here at dinner tonight and the hall door rattled and the dogs were in the room with us so you know zane gets up to look and the front door's wide open you know, wow. it just didn't get shut tight and the wind blew and the door was open. I mean, that or not, the ghost opened it. I think it's easy. Yeah, could be that. I think it's easy to kind of criticize, you know, looking back, but you really have to remember that some of these people aren't really living in at the time at least high crime areas right so the first instinct may not have been to go check the kids because the kids being in danger just you know really wasn't a thing at that point in time in that location so i personally kind of think he wandered off and he maybe went into the woods I think that with all the rain, there's probably some bodies of water that were swollen mm -hmm. and some loose ground. I think it's possible that he went into some water, that the dog sat and waited on him to yeah. come back. And when he didn't, the dog went home. I cannot imagine that the dog followed him to somebody's house if somebody grabbed him. 
Yeah. And then the dog just, you know, was like, okay, well, I guess that's enough of that and went home. I, I feel like the dog would be steady barking and drawing attention to the fact that he couldn't get to the kid. Maybe right. I'm giving the dog too much credit. Maybe. But personally, that's that's what I think happened. Um, I don't know if I would feel the same if they weren't having all the rains and everything and they were just coming off of a hurricane. So everything would be saturated. And you know how it is at the edge of these ponds, it looks solid and then you step one inch too far. And next thing you know, your whole leg's out from under you. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. So I don't know, but I... I I would love if um, some of these cases would get resolved. It would be so terrible just just to not know. Yeah. And, you know, that wasn't that long ago. I'm sure he's still got family Mm -hmm. around. So uh, it's just terrible. All right. We're going to move on. On March 17th of 1987, is St. Patrick's Day. And 19-year-old Becky Arnett Minish Edmondson disappeared the facts in this case vary so widely her name is even different in different sources really she was married and then she was divorced and that's where Edmondson comes in Mm -hmm. and Minish was her maiden name so she is listed in different sources under both names under each name individually she's it's all over the place So, we're going to stop here and get a description of her so we know who we're talking about. She's a white female, strawberry blonde hair, blue eyes, 5'10", 150 pounds. Most sources have her leaving work from KFC on Wrightsboro Road in Augusta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And if you're familiar with Augusta, Georgia... That KFC was about a mile from the mall. Okay. After she left work, she was not seen again. But there is another version that was published in the Anderson Independent Mail newspaper. And it said that she actually had gone to visit a friend. His name was John Oates. And he was the last person known to have seen her. The last person that admitted seeing her. Hmm. According to John, she had stayed with him the night before, and then she left to go meet another friend at a motel. <clears throat> Pay attention here, because here's where mm, it feels sketchy to me. I don't. You can make yeah. a decision, but just pay attention to what I'm saying next, because it, it feels sketchy on this next part. So. John did not know who she was going to meet, and he did not know what motel. All he knew was that the person drove a Mercedes. How did he know that? I assume she mentioned it, but I don't know how she... Okay, so, like, I don't know how... This is back in the day before people did pronouns. Mm -hmm. I don't know how she didn't say, you know he drives a Mercedes or she drives a Mercedes. Like, I don't know how she said what car somebody drove without saying he or she. I don't know what context that would have been done in. In any case, police call all the local hotels and motels and they find one guest 
registered on March 17th that drove a Mercedes. One single guest. And so this is a man from Jacksonville, Florida. Right. He gives a Jacksonville, Florida address. Okay. They find when they go into her house and they search her belongings, trying to find any clue of where she went or who she was meeting up with, they found a scrap of paper in her belongings that had a Jacksonville address written on it, but it did not have any name. And I know what you're going to ask, and no, I don't know if the two addresses are the same address. Hmm. But when the police checked the address out, it was a fake location. The address did not exist. Hmm. She had a fairly new Chrysler LeBaron. It was just a couple years old, and it was found abandoned days after she disappeared at the on-ramp to Bobby Jones Expressway, Mm -hmm. which is right there at the mall. So just, just a mile away from where she worked and on a busy road because Wrightsboro Road and Bobby Jones then and now are extremely Mm well-traveled. This was not a secluded area that they found it in. It was right there at the exit ramp. The car had a flat tire. The door had been pried open and the steering column had been broken so that they could hotwire the car. But nothing in the car was taken. They didn't take the stereo or anything like that. So I don't know what the chances are that her car was sitting just a mile away and nobody said hey that's her car yeah that seems weird i mean that doesn't make a lot of sense Mm -mm. yeah and a lot of people like i said traveled the area i'm sure the co-workers some of them did yeah that had to be somebody's way home and so it's weird so the car probably was not there when she first went missing and it probably got dumped there a couple days later where it went missing from who knows becky had a paycheck at kfc that she never picked up and none of her belongings were taken from her house so it's not like she packed a bag yeah and meant to run off The Richmond County Sheriff's Department is in charge of this case, although I heard a rumor that this file has been lost. Lost? And we'll hear that rumor again. Yeah, we'll hear that rumor again on another case later on, too. Hmm. But um, in any case, yeah. Now, when I was researching this story, oddly enough, almost exactly two months before Becky went missing, on January 12th, mm-hmm. a woman with a very similar name and build went missing from Athens, Georgia. And her huh. name was Brenda Lee Alexander Edmondson. Huh. What a creepy yeah, name. So we've got Becky Arnett Edmondson, and we've got Brenda Alexander. Brenda Lee Alexander Edmondson that goes missing. Now, Brenda is 22. 
she's a little bit shorter but otherwise she looked very similar to becky in her appearance her hair color all of that her build she was seen walking to a gas station to buy beer and cigarettes she mm-hmm. bought them she left the store she was never seen again what? and i'm sure it was a coincidence but it's kind of a weird one yeah so do you have any thoughts or theories on this one it is such a coincidence i i don't know it's just i mean there can't be a killer just looking for somebody's their mo is a b name edmondson with the same last name yeah b a edmondson unless they're looking for someone specific i mean probably not Right, but I don't know. It was weird. And for anybody wondering, Athens and Augusta are probably about an hour and a half away from each other. They're not terribly far away, but there is some distance between them. Yeah. But just the time frame and then the name, I was like, that's kind of odd. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so I think personally, I think that she may have been trafficked. I think that they maybe said, you know, come to my hotel room. You look like a model. Because she was kind of tall for a female. Yeah. She was 5'10". So she was kind of tall for a female. And I'm wondering if they didn't say, you know, hey, you look like you could be a model. Come to my hotel room. We'll meet. We'll discuss. Take some headshots. Blah, blah, blah. And she gets kidnapped. I think maybe her car got dumped in a sketchy area Mm -hmm. and they just dumped it out and somebody stole the car and just so happened to be on Wrightsboro Road when the tire went flat and they just ditched the car. Yeah. It may have just been a coincidence. I mean, we, we have to either say we believe in coincidence or say that her and um, Brenda are connected because that's a weird coincidence too. So, in sure. Rice Road was, it was where the mall was. It was is it's there's a ton of restaurants. Um, I mean, there's everything. Yeah, on that road, it's a road where people would hang out, and that used to not be really a bad part of town. Now it's a little iffy, but it used to not be a bad part of town. So, I think it's at all possible that the car was dumped somewhere. Somebody pried the door open, hot wired the car. They're driving it around, you know, they're going getting something to eat, whatever. Get a flat tire. They abandon the car you know go do what they gotta do yeah i think that is probably what happened as far as the car goes as far as she goes the fact that she said there was somebody with the mercedes and there was only one person with the mercedes and then he's got an address in jacksonville and she's got an address in jacksonville written down with her stuff that's maybe too big of a coincidence yeah i believe he definitely has something to do with it. And they never figured out I think who that's he was. At all possible. No. Man. Now, I saw somewhere mention that she could have been one of John Wayne Boyer's victims. He was a serial killer and a trucker. He lived in Hepzibah, Georgia, and he was killing women all over 
I think the east side of the country, but it may have been all over the country. Mm-hmm. To what I'm seeing in a little bit of research I've done on him, and I haven't done a ton, but kind of what I'm seeing is I don't think it adds up. We don't know of any killings he did before the year 2000. Yeah. But I mean, I guess anything's possible. Some people were killing before anybody knows. But he did admit to some of his murders. So he maybe would have admitted if he was involved. But sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Remember his name because I'm positive we're going to talk about him again. Yeah, definitely. So now is where I need to skip out of order. Um, just because I think it's necessary. We're going to go to August 11th, 1989, and let me tell you why. Okay. (laughs) I believe some of the other women and girls that we're going to talk about that are before 89, I believe that a lot of them are connected. And they happened in the same little time frame, but it's several years span. And some of them don't have a lot of information available and so i want to put them together with the ones that do have information just so that if we group them together i feel like they won't get lost mm-hmm. in the shuffle you know what i mean yeah i also want us to make sure that we we respect the gravity of what was going on at that time so it doesn't get glossed over because this was a super dangerous time for women in this area and it was even more dangerous to be a black woman in this or girl Mm -hmm. in this area at this time frame so i just want to make sure we get those ladies the attention they deserve so i'm gonna skip them for now okay and then we'll um come back to them in the next episode and i don't believe that this next child that i'm going to talk about i don't believe that she's connected to them and i know that there was some theory that she may have been but i i really do not believe that she's connected to them and you can let me know if you think i'm wrong but so we're skipping them and we're going to move on to her and then we'll go back to them later okay On August 11th, 1989, eight-year-old black female Tawanda Denise Cheatham was visiting a relative and her mom says that she has to come home and she gets upset. She doesn't want to go home. I think she's with the grandma, but I'm not 100%. It just says a relative in all the stories. Yeah. So, Tawanda, she goes to the mom's house, and the mom keeps the change jar on the kitchen counter. She gets a bunch of change out of that jar, and she leaves. Now, recall, she's eight years old. Mm-hmm. About 5.30 that night, a couple, that evening, a couple neighbors spot her at the Quick Stop Convenience Store, which is a couple blocks away from her house. And this would be the last time that anybody ever admitted to seeing her alive. And did I say this was in South Carolina? This is in um, Aiken County. Gotcha. Two weeks later, her grandmother gets arrested for obstruction of justice. Hmm. Police believe that she was 
telling a bunch of lies, trying to cover up what happened the time when Tawanda disappeared. Yeah. But the police said she's not a suspect in the disappearance. She was just lying about what happened. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know if... I don't know how she could know what happened, but yet not be a suspect in the disappearance, at least to be connected. Like, I don't know. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It, it's weird to me. So the police look into it because there start to be these rumors that this child is actually with a different relative, which I guess answers my question. If the grandmother knew the kid was safe, but did not want to say where she was because she was with another relative yeah i guess she would lie i don't know anyway they searched all these other relatives they questioned everybody none of these rumors turned out to be true till wanda was an honor roll student at north aiken elementary school but she was also referred to as a chronic runaway at eight that's Okay. Yeah. So police do think that she was probably abducted. I'm not that sure. Yeah. But that's what police think. Now, Tawanda has black hair. She wore it in a ponytail or braids. Mm-hmm. She has brown eyes. At the time, she stood four foot one and weighed 70 pounds. She was wearing a white shirt and red floral shorts listen carefully to this next part okay she had a dark discoloration of skin on either her left arm or leg wait how do you not know mm, exactly that seems like something her you name know. is spelled differently almost oh yeah 100 percent. i agree i feel like i know most of my kids birthmarks i feel like um which only one of mine really has a super noticeable birthmark. That's but, not true. I mean, I could tell you roundabouts where it is. I Your booby a... birthmark does not count. That's not mine. That's Ansley. Oh, my bad. See, you <laughs> See, don't even know. a booby birthmark. <laughs> I to give you a booby birthmark on the uh, missing persons I have, a, <laughs> I have a Superman birthmark on my left hand. My left, um forearm and then i have like a um kind of like a giraffe a almost. no a giraffe almost on my chest ansley's is like a second nipple <laughs> it is like if she wears a low-cut shirt it looks like her nipples hanging out and then will has a birthmark on his belly in the shape of the titanic and then Zane that has not a, in the shape of the Titanic. And Will's is not. It's like a dar. It's not. It's like a freckle. Okay. Now that Will counts. has Will has a scar. Will has a scar on his chest where he scrubbed his nipple off. Yeah. When he ripped his nick nipple off when he wrecked the bike. Mm-hmm. He has that scar like where it scratched up. And then Zane has Zane that big has, birthmark. Yeah. He's the only one that's got like a super noticeable birthmark. No, but <laughs> Ansley's and Zane's are the same color. Okay, so here's the thing. Ansley doesn't generally walk around without a shirt on. Okay, but she sometimes wears that 
low cut shirts and you can see it and it looks but like when she was younger that birthmark was not that dark so if it is that dark she needs to get it checked out because it was not that dark when she was younger it's pretty dark zane's is dark like zane's, zane's is, is dark, dark dark yeah hers was not that dark in any case so maybe i'm wrong i'm just saying if it's something you see every day because she's wearing shorts and a t-shirt then you should probably know where it is yeah because i see zane's every day i know where it is yeah will walked around without a shirt all the time i know about his nipple scar i mean that and i <laughs> saw him get it but i don't know i thought it was weird that <laughs> like to know it's there but not be able to say was it her arm or her leg like it, it i know it's weird i don't know yeah, that does seem weird and that you know it's on the left side of her body. I remember that Sawyer has a birthmark on the back of his elbow, but I can't remember which elbow. But I know it's on the back of an elbow. Right. But I'm not right. going to say like, it's Melanie's on his eye. left. Like, I know it's an eye issue. Yeah, I know it's a, le it's a left elbow or a left knee. Can't remember. Like, that doesn't seem legit. Right, that seems strange. So, and it may not be, but it seems weird to me. Yeah. Okay, another thing that's odd to me is that her name is spelled differently almost every place you see it. So, I went with Tawanda, mm -hmm. but I'm not positive we're correct about that. Uh, she was uh, Tawanda on some. Mm -hmm. She was Tawanda on some i mean it it was completely different names it, yeah that's on some of them weird. and uh, how do you how do we know that she was an honor roll student but we can't correct her name on her missing persons but that feels so terrible to me like yeah nobody is out here like listen at least spell the name right right you know, the two women that had maiden names that they used and, you know, had a, was divorced and all of that, I kind of see how your name gets, you know, like, was she using this name or that name? You know, yeah, I, get I can that. see that. I can but see that. A child's first name. Yeah. I feel like somebody in her life should have done a better job of saying no. You need to correct this. This is what it is. You right. Know? Now we're going to skip ahead five years to 1994. And we're going to talk about nine-year-old Tiffany Elizabeth Nelson. All right. She disappeared on June 6, 1994. That was the year I graduated high school. It was the first Monday of summer break off of school. And I'm sure like every other kid, Tiffany had big plans for the summer. Let's go on and get a description of her so we can get a picture of her in our head. And what She's county? She's a black female, black hair, brown eyes. This is in Richmond County. Okay. So we're back in Georgia. She's five foot tall, 95 pounds. She's wearing a multicolored floral shirt. She has blue and white striped denim shorts, and she's wearing her favorite pair of Air Jordans that her brother had bought for her. Tiffany was living on Getson Drive with her aunt, Ora Mack, and her cousin, her aunt's child. 
her aunt had taken her in when Tiffany's mother had died of lymphoma in 1992, so just two years earlier. Mm-hmm. Tiffany's father wasn't a big fixture in her life, although it did seem like he was trying to put in more effort after the mom died. But she was happy with the aunt and she was well adjusted. Um, for all outward appearances, it looked like she was living a pretty good life, you know, even despite the issues she had been having. So Aunt Aura was doing a good job. Tiffany took her 10-speed bike that she had gotten for Christmas, and this was a red men's 10-speed bike. And she walks it to the Amico gas station at the corner of Richmond Hill Road and Lumpkin Road in Augusta, Georgia. She needs to pump up the tire. Her tire had gone flat, and she wants to go out and ride, so she needs to get some air in the tire, something everybody did as kids back in the day you just walk it up to the gas station yeah so while she's at the gas station putting air in the tire she's witnessed speaking to two of her brother tyrone's friends so there were a couple other witnesses that saw her pump up the tires that they know she got the tire pumped up they know she spoke to two of tyrone's friends and that was the last time anybody ever saw her alive now was the conversation when her family with the realized friend, that she uh, was friendly missing, nobody really knew just she was talking to them but you know the air pumps are not exactly right there at the gas pumps they're kind of further away yeah unless there was some kind of scuffle or something i don't believe anybody would have paid attention gotcha Okay. When Tiffany's family realizes that she's missing, they go to file a police report and they're told that they have to wait 24, 24 hours. hours. Yes. Now, on a side note, we talk about this whole 24, 48 hour waiting thing like a decent amount, I feel like. Yeah. But um, I looked it up finally because I was like, I feel like we talk about this all the time. Is this a thing? Was this a thing? And until some point in the 1990s, it absolutely was a thing in most areas. They would tell you you had to wait 24 or 48 hours before you could file a report. It absolutely was a thing up until the Mm mid-90s. So it got to be not a thing shortly after she went missing. Unfortunately, it was too late for her. So it's not Remind a thing now. Remind me later to tell you a story at the end if, if we've got time. It is absolutely not a thing now. And like I said, remind me to tell you a little quick story at the end if we've got time. Okay. The family, after they try to file the missing persons report and the police won't take it, they're like, well, we're going to search. And so they stayed up all night. They went everywhere they could think of they traced routes they were everywhere talking to people everything and they don't come up with anything the next day the police joined the search and this would be the richmond county sheriff's office they joined the search they get a tip from an 11 year old boy and he says that he saw tiffany in a car with a man wearing a hat and he saw her on barton chapel road hmm They, oddly enough, and Richard Roundtree, the sheriff now, he, uh, and we've mentioned him in other cases that we've done in this area, if y'all think back. In any case, um, he 
later defended the investigators in this case because he says that they just treated it as a missing person so basically a runaway he didn't say that but i did they had no reason to suspect foul play but remember this is an 11 year old boy she's nine they probably went to school together he probably knew her yeah in any case for for whatever reason they didn't take it seriously they said they had no reason to suspect foul play so they treated it as a missing person whatever he wants to say that means remember now this was the sixth that she went missing on the 16th they bring out cadaver dogs to help search so as far as i could find and i could be completely incorrect i could have missed it but as far as i could find they did not bring out search dogs to look for her on the 7th or 8th. Yeah. They waited until the 16th and then brought out cadaver dogs. So, and like I said, I could be completely wrong. It's what I found in my research. So, I miss stuff sometimes, I'm sure. In any case, they do not find anything with these dogs. That is the end. Well, her family still searched for her, but that's basically what happened with Tiffany. Until... Well, it was left open, but, I mean, there wasn't, they had no new leads, which, you know, you hear a lot. On May 16th of 2005, Mm -hmm. so we fast-forwarded a great deal, there are two men walking in an area that's going to be a subdivision, and that's going to be off of Farmer's Bridge Road in Burke County. They find bone fragments. Some people called them hunters and some of the sources and some of them said that they were actually surveyors that were surveying for the subdivision. Yeah. So that was a detail that was a little, Unclear. I don't know, it's one or the other, whichever it is. They find these bone fragments, they call Burke County because now they're in Burke County. Mm-hmm. And Burke County comes out, they find a shallow grave. There are some items in there which lead them to believe it's Tiffany, but most importantly, in this shallow grave are those Air Jordans that she was so proud of. Oh. So they feel pretty confident that it's Tiffany, and later they were actually able to confirm that it was her. Now, looking back at that day, because like we said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Aunt Aura, who was a nurse, remembered something that just had escaped her earlier. Mm-hmm. When she went to leave for work that morning, There was a car that turned in the neighborhood and they were driving real slow. And there weren't a lot of cars they didn't recognize coming through the neighborhood. So she stopped because she thought the guy may be lost because he was driving slow looking around. And she says he was in his 40s. He was 40-ish. And he was wearing a Kangle hat, which is the type of hat like LL Cool J wears. Yeah. Like, I don't don't know if you (laughs) know who he is, but Hmm. I'm sure a lot of people know who he is that hat if she said his race i missed it because and i went back to look i could not find i found where they asked her was he white was he black but i did not find where she answered gotcha she asked him if he needs help and he tells her he's looking for a girlfriend now when she says this because it's in print 
I don't know if she means that he said, I'm looking for my friend who's a girl, like I'm looking for my girlfriend Louise, or if he's saying, I'm looking to find a girlfriend, like a girl to date, like, I don't know if that would mean a prostitute or, you know, just somebody who wants to date or what, right? Right. It's in print, so we are not really sure what she means by that. And, and his meaning really would shed a lot of light probably on what he was doing. She says um, that she didn't think about it until way later. And she tells the sheriff, but they're like, uh, you know, which she doesn't really have a lot of information on it at this point. And it's been later, like years later. So there's not really a lot they could do with it. Yeah. So, remember when I said Tiffany's brother had give her those shoes? Yeah. We need to talk about Tyrone a little bit. <laughs> Tyrone died two years after they found Tiffany's remains. But before he died, he called his Aunt Aura. And he says that he needs to talk to her because the guilt is eating him alive. He believes that Tiffany may have been murdered because of him. What? Yeah. And and it's killing him. He's just devastated. Now, but bless her heart, Aunt Aura, her storytelling skills are not the greatest ever. <laughs> From what I can put together, Tyrone had an altercation with this man he knew. And it was possibly about Tyrone messing around with this guy's wife or his girlfriend. I'm not 100% on that part. I'm not 100% on what the altercation was about, but they did have an altercation. And Tyrone beat this dude up, and he beat him up like bad. He beat him, beat him. And then he stole a bunch of drugs from this dude like drugs that were meant to be sold so like a lot of drugs from this dude so i'm sure this dude was pissed and he was out this money or these drugs maybe he had owed somebody after this i don't know the situation tyrone realizes afterwards that was probably stupid because now he is in trouble Mm -hmm. and he's scared he thinks they're going to come after him but Luckily or unluckily, I'm not sure which, Tyrone gets busted and goes to jail before they can come after him. Hmm. So there's a GBI agent, and his name is Doug Parker. And he interviewed Tyrone in prison. And Tyrone told him the same story that he told Aunt Aura. Hmm that he felt like Tiffany's murder was probably in retaliation to this drug issue, these drugs he stole. Yeah. Now, shortly after Tiffany went missing, there was a 911 call placed. And they call Aunt Aura to the station. And they say, can you listen to this call and identify if this girl on this other end of this call is Tiffany? She wasn't positive if the girl was Tiffany because the girl was really upset. She was crying. She was kind of blubbering. She says, "They, they took me from my house. I want to go home, is what this girl is crying. 911 asked her, who took 
her and she says two names the names are jumbled because the girl's so upset and the phone hung up but when aunt aura hears the call she believes that these two names this girl said sound very very similar to the names of Tyrone's friends that she was seen talking to at the gas station. Hmm. So here's the thing. Aunt Aura is in a interview with the with a reporter from Augusta. And she starts talking about this tape. And GBI agent Parker is there. Also going to give an interview to this reporter because it's an anniversary of Tiffany's case. They're trying to get the word back out. So she starts talking about this 911 tape and Agent Parker is now retired and he's confused. And he's like, what tape? And she said, you didn't know about the tape? He has never heard that there was a 911 tape. And this was his his case he was in charge of this case for the gbi what he has never heard that there was a tape how here's this is how the original crime happened in richmond county but the body was found in burke county and at some point the gbi was called in and nobody wanted them so we have three different agencies and they have three different files and they are not in the sharing mood for some reason. Oh, my God. So, exactly. They are not sharing evidence between them. My goodness. There should be like a database where they can get each other's information. Like Google for the police. Absolutely. There should be like Google Docs where they all get the thing and they can add information yeah. to it or something. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. But this was not a case of I forgot to tell them. This is a case of I'm not going to tell them. That is outrageous. Basically, they were in like a pissing contest and this child's murderer got away because they were too worried about who was going to take the case and not, you know, let's do everything we can to solve it. Now, when um, the sheriff, the newest sheriff got elected in Burke County, I heard, but I'm not sure how true this is, I heard that even though he normally did not share cases with the GBI, he did release a lot of the evidence in this case, including whatever else they found in the shallow grave. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the GBI thought maybe that would lead to a break, but that that was, what did I say, 2005, and Mm -hmm. we're in 2023, and this is still unsolved, so I guess it did not lead to a break. Mm, No. But for each agency to have evidence that the other two doesn't have, until they find out on accident from another source is absolutely ridiculous. And can you imagine Aunt Or she's sitting there like all of a sudden, all these years later, she's finding out that the they weren't sharing the information? That is how livid would you be? So livid. That is ridiculous. I mean, you think they're out here doing everything they can do to find your child and and they're not? Ooh. Anyway, 
yeah that oh goodness it's gonna take me a second okay so another one of these pieces of evidence that they did not share amongst each other is a jailhouse letter that this reporter they were talking to actually uncovered what and this source yep this source is unnamed but they did make a snippet public and it reads quote he told me about a little girl he killed and he threw her body in some woods in Burke County for a man he was selling dope for. He got paid a lot of money for it because her brother owed the man money for a lot of dope. He said the, the dude is in federal prison now. So basically what happened was this jailhouse snitch is going to tell on this guy that confessed to killing a little girl and throwing her body in Burke County mm-hmm. and in in retaliation to some drugs that her brother owed money for and that the guy that told him this is or the guy that hired the dude to do it is now in federal prison with that information I feel like it wouldn't be that hard yeah to connect to figure out you know because you know i don't know who this guy's talking about but whoever he gave the letter to knows and you would look for his connections that are now in federal prison doesn't seem that hard but yet here we are and i do hope that one day the leaders of these agencies will get their shit together and get this family some answers but so far it doesn't really look like that's exactly what's happened yeah and the lead investigator on Tiffany's case, I didn't put this in this story, but it is in my next um, story. He actually is the lead investigator on another very high profile case that we're going to be talking about in the next episode, which is the Milberg twins. And this was the same investigator that worked on their case. And we will highly question his investigative skills. So mm-hmm. probably, I, don't, I hate to say it, but maybe he's passed on. I don't know. Because if not, we're probably about to make enemies. Because we're highly going to question his investigative skills. Yeah. And why, why some of the things that he did got done. But we'll talk about it in the next one. In yeah. any case, do you have theories or comments on Tiffany? I mean, I feel like it's pretty cut and dry. I don't know how the police can't figure it out. But like, you know, armchair detective here, I'm pretty positive we got a good lead at least. Yeah, I, I feel like the brother was telling the truth. I feel like for him to get in contact with the GBI to tell them this story and to tell his aunt or the story, I feel like he was telling the truth. I- and the chances are if he stole that amount of drugs from somebody, then they weren't just some little dummy on the, you know, yeah. That was just selling a little dime bag of weed. You know, that's my guess. I don't know, but that's my guess. How, um... You had a question? Yeah, how did the brother die? <laughs> Do we know? Um, I believe it was a drug overdose. He had a lot of issues with drugs. He was 
um, it, it seems like he was in a gang. Nobody outright said it, mm-hmm. but just from some different things I uncovered, it feels like he was in a gang and he was he was dealing drugs or he was working with people that were mm-hmm. he had a a pretty good record even you know kind of young he had a pretty good record going so to me it was probably drug related but i i don't honestly know for sure gotcha but he was not living a wholesome nice life so um the chances of him dying young were probably pretty high. Right. So that is all of my stories on this one. Now and, you did um, want me to remind you about the 24 one, hour thing that you wanted to say. Okay. So I don't know if anybody saw it in, uh, this is just like a week or so ago from when we're recording it. So probably several weeks back for when y'all were hearing it or I don't know, several weeks back from when I'm hearing it because I'm so far behind. (laughs) There was some online drama, and I don't know if anybody saw it, but it was in, it got shared to a missing persons group that I'm in. And so I go to look because they're like, this girl's missing, her boyfriend is acting really suspicious and so, and it's ongoing. It's like right the second it's happening. And so, you know, I go to look and see what's going on. How can we help? Where is she missing from? All of this, right? I'm not going to say her name because she was actually found safe. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to her, say her full name, but I am going to say her first name in case anybody uh, did see the drama. They'll know that we are talking about the same thing. Her name is Casey. And that's a pretty popular name. So yeah. I feel confident saying that, but... Basically, this girl named Casey gets mad at her boyfriend or husband, whatever he was, and she up and walks out of the house. She doesn't take her phone. It's like right after dinner. She just up and and leaves, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's mad at him. He does not seem that interested in finding her. So I guess he was mad at her too. In any case, her family is like, where is Casey? And he's like, oh, well, our family is like, what do you mean you don't know? He says she got mad and she walked out and didn't take her phone or anything. Okay, that sounds suspicious, right? Yeah. If if you were her family member, I can see where you would be like, "Mm, that sounds kind of suspicious. So they're like, did you file a missing persons report? And he's like, no. And so, um... Now we're like 24 hours later, they're questioning, did you file a report? He says, I'm at home with five kids. I don't have a way to go file a report. Hmm. So he's like, if you want to go find one, go do that. I don't care. Go do that. I'd, I'd welcome it. But I am not dragging five kids out to file a missing persons report. Again, I'm going to say he apparently is pissed at her also. Yeah. So, I think in his mind, he's angry. And so, he doesn't really think she's in danger. hmm But then he gets on Facebook and he starts, but he's on her Facebook. Like, he has control of her Facebook. 
What? Sketch? And he's like, where the F, where the F are you? You need to contact somebody. We're all worried sick. So it looks like she's typing this to herself. Yeah. But it's him. It like disintegrates from there. In any case, the amount of people in these comments that are like, well, he has to wait 24 hours to file a report or, you know, he has to wait 48 hours to file a report was appalling in this day and age for people to still believe that is so scary to me. And then people would go, that's, that's not true. And these folks would argue Yes, it is true. I know what I'm talking about. Mm, no, it, it is absolutely not, not true. true. <laughs> and they would get so mad when somebody would say that that's not the case. And so one woman finally, she was like, okay, so that's fine. But it's actually been 24 hours since she went missing and he still hasn't filed the report. Yeah. So. You know what I'm saying? But it was just so crazy to me, the number of people that were like, well, he hasn't filed one because he can't. And I'm like, oh, yes, he can. But all these people are already being like, yes, he can. You can file a report immediately. That is not a thing. And these folks are arguing like somebody said, that's not really your name. I mean, mm -hmm. what? How are the people that don't know stuff always the ones that are the most confident? Right? How is that? Yeah. So, in any case, the boyfriend starts, um, this ain't got nothing to do with that, but that's what reminded me because, I mean, it was common after common. It was crazy. The boyfriend is making these posts online, but then he's coming back. It's not funny, but it is. He's coming back as his self on his own Facebook. And he's commenting on these posts. So the original post is from her Facebook, but made yeah. by him. And then he's on his Facebook making comments on the original post. And he's arguing with people in the comments about all this stuff. And he is saying like some whacked out stuff. And then he kept telling people to put down their Diet Coke or whatever. And I was like... What does that mean? Like, he said it so often. I felt like it was some kind of saying that I just wasn't familiar with. And I couldn't figure out what it, what it meant. And it wasn't like, like, I don't know if he was calling them fat or I don't, I don't know what that meant. But he kept saying it like he repeated it several times. There were like 500 comments. <laughs> there were like 500. I've read every one of them and he just was getting like more and more unhinged like he was just saying some wild stuff and it was like mm. at first I was like you know they probably did get in a fight and he's mad and she did leave and then I was like hold up this man may have her in the basement because <laughs> yeah he like, he's like go check her work and then one of her family members is like, we did go to her work. She's not there. And then he says that she bought groceries and took them to his baby mama's house and asked the baby mama to bring the groceries to, to him and the kids. 
What? But this was while she was missing. And somebody's like, listen, then the baby mama can go to the police and say, no, she's good. Yeah. And he's like, well, she don't want to get involved or whatever. And it was just like, I don't know if he was drunk or pissed or stressed or like a combination, but he was saying some crazy stuff. So moral of the story here is if you get mad at somebody and they're missing don't go off on facebook because then my thought is what if he didn't do something to her but then she goes out and somebody does do something to her and then he's on facebook Ooh. talking this mad shit and then all of a sudden you know he's so suspect number one and he had nothing to do with it, it was yeah. crazy people were like dude you know are you good or are the kids good can we get a picture of the kids <laughs> i mean it was like he was life. but i read exactly they were like can we get a picture of the kids <laughs> i'm like uh make sure they're yeah. holding a fork and have but uh, yeah they were like <laughs> right you the the what you want in the picture <laughs> it was crazy but it was a whole drama and i'm like i've read every single comment at first i was like how can we help and then i was like what is happening here and then i was like mm, this guy may have her on the basement and then it turns out he was telling the truth and she did just disappear on her own and then she did show up at work. She went to the police station and talked to the police and told them she was safe. And apparently she was messing around with some other dude. Ooh. And so she was staying with him. I was like, what? I, it was crazy. If she could include so her mama in? If y'all do see that. I don't think it was her mama. I think it was a cousin or something. Oh. But my thing is, none of my cousins would know I was missing. Mm-mm. We're just not that tight like that. Like, I love my cousins and stuff, but we don't speak on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Like, I run yeah. across them once and again, and and that's where I see them. You know what I mean? Like, Same. some of them, I don't, I don't know the last time I saw them. We're just not tight like that. Well, you see your cousins more often than I see mm. mine, I'm sure. It was Avery really. Kate's birthday last week. Yeah, but like, when was the time before that? Christmas, or not Christmas? Uh, New Year. What Year's. other cousins you got? Oh, I got some other ones on the other side. Oh, yeah, all Adam's it. kids. Well, in any case, other than Corey, I don't think I've seen uh, most of mine in years. Yeah. In any case, so if y'all run across somebody online that's saying about the 24 48 hour wait just do politely correct them but don't argue with these fools because they will drag you down yeah and beat you with experience i mean <laughs> so confident and wrong and so confident it's just like this is impressive How are i you mean so wrong but google so is free google is free 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 you could google anything so confident <laughs> i strive to have that much confidence on anything in my entire life man i'd rule the world <laughs> all right well do you know uh do you have anything to add i do not i hope y'all have all a right, wonderful well, tell week. us about our social media 
Um, you can our, tell us about our social media. I, I'm about to. You can follow us on Instagram, oh, okay. unsolved underscore south, or you can join our Facebook discussion group where nobody ever says a word um, on Facebook. Wait, wait, course. that's not true. That's not true. Billy Rich has been keeping the group active all week. Go, Billy. Been Good sharing job. some missing person stuff. I saw been that. Sharing some missing person stuff and stuff like that. So, so shout out to Billy. Shout out to Billy. Yes. And then we also have a Facebook. The rest page. of y'all slacking the slackers. <laughs> slackers. <laughs> okay, so that's all we got this week. We're gonna share with somebody who loves flowers. Ooh. This pollen's getting us. And that's right, because this pollen's crazy. And we will see y'all next week. Bye. Bye.